Spring is in full swing and summer is just around the corner. A great time for a beach getaway at the Oceanfront Boardwalk Plaza Hotel in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Enjoy the best of oceanfront accommodations and amazing dining right on the beach, both with great views of the ocean and boardwalk. Enjoy a soak in the heated indoor spa pool or book the adults-only concierge level and relax in the rooftop hot tubs. Book online at boardwalkplaza.com or call 800-33 beach thanks to the boardwalk plaza for being the bridge podcast network sponsor story jumpers welcome to another episode of your favorite storytelling podcast are you ready to hear a great story of course that's why you're a story jumper there were guns blazing shells flying and swords flashing and hacking away teddy recounts the bravery of his father's heroic deed But rivalry between a soldier's son and a sailor's daughter drives Teddy to his breaking point until he learns of a new battle, a new enemy, and a new captain whose orders are to fight all battles with the banner of love. Enjoy this reading of Teddy's Button by Dr. Mark Hamby. Chapter 1. Tell us the story again, Teddy. Do go on and tell us, please. Okay, shouted Teddy with a smile. He loved to tell his story more than anything in the world. He gave the signal with his arms, and everyone began to quiet. It was a dark day. The enemy had taken the flag, and it looked like the queen would lose her crown. Then the captain cried out, Is there anyone brave enough to take the flag back from the enemy? All the men were silent, and nobody stepped forward. Nobody, that is. Except father. He was tall and strong and a brave soldier who loved his country. He stepped up to the captain, saluted, and said, I, sir, I will bring back the colors. I will do it if it's the last thing I do and the last breath I take. All eyes were upon him. The captain saluted him. So father lifted his sword, straightened his shoulders, and shouted with a loud roar, Charge! The children sat, drop-jawed and awestruck. All attention was on Teddy. And how many times was he shot this time, Teddy? yelled Horace Gladstone as his little brother sat on his lap, smiling from ear to ear, waiting for the story to continue. Teddy gleamed as he began his favorite part of the story. His eyes danced and his whole frame quivered. He threw back his head and with a tongue, hand, and foot all in motion, Teddy knew he had an audience frozen in suspense. This was his moment. He proudly touched his large brass button, for this was the subject of his story. Teddy raised his arm and shouted, Hurrah! My father rushed forward. Come on, men, we'll save the colors. And they shouted, Hurrah! as they followed. There were guns going off, shells flying, swords flashing, and the enemy poured on with fiery red faces and gnashing teeth. My father drew his sword, and no one can stand against him. No one. He cut and slashed, and the enemy began to flee one after another. He reached the flag, and with a shout, he raised it high. Then he looked around and saw that he was alone. The other soldiers had been beaten back. But was he in a worry? No. He picked up his sword and fought his way back. It was a race for life, and father would never turn back to the enemy. He pressed down and shouted, Hurrah! Till he got to his own side again, where he reached his captain. I've been shot up badly and pierced through with the sword many times, but I've got the colors, sir, he said as he saluted. Then he fell at the colonel's feet, never to speak a word again. His clothes were torn to pieces, 
and only one button remained on his coat. Holding the button from his shirt, Teddy declared, And this is the button of one of England's greatest heroes. The little speaker dropped his voice to a tragic whisper, then shouted triumphantly, And thirty bullets and six swords couldn't stop him. He was a soldier of soldiers, he was. No one had noticed the new listener who had joined the crowd. She stood in the back with her hands planted on her hips. Oh, I say, murmured the little skeptic, thirty bullets or was it fifty? And did your father have only one button to his coat? The voice was a strange one, and the boys turned around to meet the curious gaze of a sturdy little girl who had stood unnoticed in the group. She was not dressed like an ordinary village child, but wore a sailor suit with a bow to match. A rosy-cheeked, square-set figure she was, and her blue eyes, fringed with long lashes, looked straight at Teddy. One button, Teddy said. The coat was sent to mother with only one button left on, and if you had been there, you would have lost all your buttons and not had one left. The children clapped their hands to show Teddy that they were on his side, but the new little girl remained firm. Is that a true story you told? she demanded. Of course it's true, was the shout of all. Then I tell you, boy, I didn't believe a word of it. And your father ain't no hero, and your great big liar. With set lips, she turned on her heel and walked away. You should go and punch her in the nose, Teddy. No, Sam, you can't punch girls. And even if she'd been a boy, I couldn't have fought. I promised mother I won't fight again. You see, I fought four boys in one week last time, and she said she won't have it. But I don't see why. If it's right for soldiers to fight, why isn't it right for boys? I think, perhaps, said Teddy slowly as he turned over on his back and looked up at the clear blue sky. I wasn't quite true about the bullets. I think it was six bullets and three swords. I forget how many times it was, but she said she didn't believe a word. The old church clock struck five. Teddy was up on his feet in an instant. With a wild whoop and shout, he galloped across the green with his curls flying in the wind and his feet hardly seeming to touch the ground. Breathless and panting, Teddy paused before crossing the stream. A curious figure stood on the other side of the footbridge. Neither could pass, and neither was willing to turn back. The sturdy girl in her sailor dress appeared to be quite a match for Teddy, who, with his head held high, looked like a warhorse scenting the battlefield. You're to let me come over first, she insisted, because I'm a girl and girls are first. I was here first, shouted Teddy, and I'm coming through. Boys never turn back. I am the daughter of the Admiral in the Queen's Navy, and I'm not turning back. I'm the son of a war hero. Turn back, I command. Both paused, but neither would give ground. Teddy shouted, I will never turn back on the enemy. I would disgrace my button if I did. He stood tall like a soldier. That old button, she spouted. Teddy's cheeks grew rosy red, but he said nothing. I'm coming over, and you can't stop me, she demanded. Then I shall push you over into the water. Come on and try, then. There was silence. They eyed each other doubtfully, as if measuring one another's strength. Their faces grew eager at the coming contest. Boys ought to always give way to girls. Always, Nancy said. You're not a proper boy at all. You're not the proper girl. You're wearing a sailor's outfit. I am a sailor's daughter. You say you're a soldier's son, so why don't you dress like one? Teddy felt he was getting the worst of it. He proudly held his button. If you weren't a girl, I'd fight you, sputtered Teddy. Pooh, I expect I could lick you. I don't believe you have half as big a muscle as I have on my arm. A girl have muscles? Ha! This proved too much for Nancy. With a grand hurrah, she made a quick rush across the plank. Teddy, seeing his enemy advancing, charged forth with his own grand charge! The two collided midway with a great shriek and a great splash. Both little figures fell into the stream. 
The water was not very deep, and soon they scrambled to dry ground, being brought to their senses by the cold water. Teddy began to laugh, but Nancy was very near tears. I'll tell my mother you nearly drowned me dead, she whimpered. If you're a sailor's daughter, you oughtn't be afraid of the water. Sailors and fish are always in the sea. They're never in it. Never. Well, they're just on it just the same. Why, you're nearly crying. But you're only a girl, and a sailor's girl can't be very brave. Not like a soldier's girl would be. Sailors are much braver than soldiers, said Nancy, quickly wiping her tears. And when they do fight, they're in much more danger than soldiers. When the ship begins to sink, they send up three cheers for queen and country, and then stand on deck with folded arms and go down, down, down to the bottom of the sea and never make a cry. Well, said Teddy, they may sometimes be brave, but a sailor walks like a goose. He waddles. You're the rudest boy I've ever seen. As Nancy strutted off, Teddy called out after her. You made a pretty good charge for a girl, but you couldn't get past me. With one of his loud whoops, he raced home and hardly drew a breath until he reached the farmhouse door where his mother was cooking. Mother, wouldn't you say a soldier is braver than a sailor? Perhaps I might, Teddy, but a sailor can be quite as brave. Teddy's face fell. I never thought a sailor could fight at all, he said, looking down and digging his foot into the carpet. I thought they just took care of ships and now and then fired a big gun. Who's been talking about sailors? asked Grandmother, who had been sitting by, snapping beans. That new girl I told you of, Nancy is her name. Where did you see her? Down at the brook. We fell into the water together because we both wanted to cross at once. That was very naughty of you not to give place to her. Teddy's mother spoke reprovingly. I know it was, Mother, but I wasn't going to turn back. That would be running away from the enemy. You see, we met in the middle, and she's not a nice girl at all. She's so proud about sailors. Just as proud as you are of the redcoats, I guess, old Mrs. Platt said. Well, I'm a soldier's son. I don't like a sailor's daughter. I know that. I think she is kind of an enemy. You mustn't have enemies. It is wrong to talk so. Teddy's thoughts were busy. He went back to the moment where he was standing on the footbridge, ready to charge. Should he have given way, or should he have fought the enemy? It was a Sunday morning. Along a sweet-scented lane, profuse with honeysuckle and wild roses, Teddy's mother walked, holding her little son tightly by the hand. The church bells were ringing as Teddy made his Sunday promise to be good. I will try, Mother. I will keep my hands tight in my pockets and my feet close together. I'll pretend that every word that comes out of the pastor's mouth is like a bullet from the firing squad. I won't blink an eyelash. I'll sit there brave as a blindfolded man. I won't fidget. I promise, promise, I'll be good today. As Teddy sat quietly beside his mother, he murmured to himself, Twenty soldiers in front of me, twenty rifles pointing. I shall stand like a rock. I'll set my teeth. I shan't even blink my eyes. Now I see the officer coming. He's going to say, present arms. I'm not moving a muscle. Five minutes more they'll give me. Teddy's thoughts were interrupted by an unexpected sight. Directly facing him was Nancy, seated between her mother and grandfather, still wearing her sailor suit. With those dark eyes fixed on him, how long could he remain still? His little hands worked nervously in his pants' pockets. Why did she stare at him so? Teddy stared back, but his patience gave way, and he scrunched up his nose with a terrible frown. Instantly, Nancy stuck out her tongue. <laughs> Teddy was so furious, he just couldn't stand it any longer. Like a kettle of steam boiling over, he burst out, I hate you! All eyes turned upon him. Teddy was so mortified, he just wanted to crawl under the pew. He knew that at the end of the service, he would have to face Pastor Upton, and he was fully prepared to surrender to the harshest punishment. 
And how are you today, Mrs. Platt? Greeted the pastor at the doorway. And you, my little friend, he smiled. I would like to invite you over for tea at five o'clock today. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. I don't drink tea, said Teddy. Well, my friend, you'll learn to drink it today. I'll see you precisely at five o'clock. With a smile undetected by Teddy, Pastor Upton reassured Mrs. Platt that he would be gentle. Pastor Upton had his own way of doing things, people said, and he would rather reason with culprits like Teddy than scold them, whether they were grown men or women or children. At half past four, Teddy stood on the pastor's doorsteps. Peering through the window, he saw a broad hallway that led through a glass door into a brilliant flower garden. Beautiful wood carvings covered the stairs, and the shiny floors revealed the work of a tidy housekeeper. Soon the pastor appeared and led him to his study. We have some time before tea to have a little talk, my boy. Mr. Upton smiled and gently placed his big hand on Teddy's shoulder, instantly putting him at ease. He placed a large Bible in front of him. I'd like you to read this Bible verse to me, he said, pointing to the text. Whosoever hates his brother is a murderer, Teddy solemnly read. That will do. Now think it over for five minutes and then tell me what your thoughts are about it. The boy hung his head in shame. He didn't move until the five minutes were over. Then he said timidly, I wouldn't hate a brother, sir. I wouldn't. I'd like to have one, in fact. A mountain stirred within him, and without restraint, he added, And I'm sure glad she ain't my brother, because I hate her so. <laughs> well, my friend, I must inform you that the scriptures do indeed teach that your sister and your brother are precisely the same. A brother can mean any person in the world, man, woman, or child. Even Nancy. Then I ought to be hung. In a more cheerful tone, the pastor turned to the little culprit. I think I see the heart of the problem. You want to fight the enemy. Yes, sir, sounded Teddy, as if reporting for duty. Now tell me the whole story and why it is you dislike Nancy so much. Teddy was ready with his defense, and he poured out such a story that Pastor Upton was quite bewildered when Teddy finished. It's father's button I care about, exclaimed Teddy, touching his beloved button proudly. And she didn't believe me a bit. She put out her tongue as long as she could. It was like having an enemy staring right at you in the face with hands tied behind your back. It was a severe moment, I tell you. Before the pastor could offer any comment, tea was announced. Taking the child by the hand, he marched into the dining room. Hot tea cake, strawberry jam, and plum cake kept our little friend fully occupied for some time. And now, said Mr. Upton toward the end of the meal, I would like to talk to you some more. Your father was a brave soldier. He saved the colors. You want to grow up like him, don't you? Oh, yes, sir, I do. There's nothing more in the entire world that I desire. There's a little verse in God's word that describes our Lord's banner, his colors, the flag that is. Mr. Upton explained as he turned to the Old Testament and pointed to a verse that had been well underlined. What does this verse say, Teddy? His banner, that's the flag, isn't it? Yes, said Mr. Upton. His banner over me is love. Teddy repeated the verse slowly with interest. It is a wonderful banner, said Mr. Upton thoughtfully. The enemy is in constant pursuit of destroying it. In the thick of the fight, we raise our colors high, and it is our king who leads the charge. I didn't know England had a king, sir. I thought he died long ago, and now we serve our majesty the queen. Teddy looked mystified and didn't understand of whom the pastor was speaking. Teddy, continued Mr. Upton, long ago my king was severely wounded during his greatest battle. It appeared that the enemy had won. 
and all of the soldiers but one fled to the hills. It was the longest three days the world had ever seen. The sun was darkened and the ground quaked. Mothers cried, and even soldiers were afraid. But on that third day, something happened that the world had never seen. Our king, King Jesus, that is, walked right out of the grave, and he's been carrying the banner ever since. At first, he recruited just 12 men. Then they recruited others to follow. Now there are thousands of us, tens of thousands. Teddy drew a long breath, and when the pastor paused, he cried out, Please go on, sir. I'd like to hear more. Do you think the king will let me hold up the banner for him? If you have enlisted in his service, said Mr. Upton, are you one of his soldiers? Oh, no, sir. I do think I'm a bit young, but I would surely be a drummer boy if he'd let me. The king is looking for soldiers, Teddy, and the younger they are, the better. You mean I can enlist before I become a man like father? That's right. God wants each of us to present ourselves to him if we want to enlist in his army. Why, my boy, do you believe that Jesus died upon the cross to save you? While you were his enemy, do you know that he died for your sins so that you could be on his side? Yes, said Teddy, fixing his blue eyes earnestly on the pastor. I really believe he did, for mother has often explained it to me, but I just understand it now. Then why were you fighting for the enemy today? Perhaps you have never really enlisted. Are you marching along with the enemy? Teddy's small hands clenched and his eyes lit up. I'll enlist at once, sir. I'll be one of God's soldiers now. Where do I sign up? How are you going to do it? I, I don't know. Tell me, please. Pastor Upton met the child's earnest gaze and realized how much Teddy hung on his every word. You must tell God about yourself and don't be in a hurry. Kneel down quietly somewhere and, first of all, ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. Pray that your sins may be blotted out, forgiven, that is, and that your name may be written in the book of life because Jesus died for you. Then tell God you want him to enlist you and then give yourself right up to him for now and forever. Pastor Upton spoke slowly and carefully. Teddy remained silent, then said, If I enlist, shall I have to be God's soldier forever and ever, till I am an old man of a hundred with white hair and no teeth? Would you rather be a soldier of the enemy? Of course not. You are quite right to think it over. I would rather you did not decide too hastily. Go home and think about it, and come and tell me when you have decided. The boy's golden brow crumpled with anxious creases. I should like to be one of God's soldiers, but who shall I have to fight? Any real enemies or only make-believe? I will tell you about your enemies after you've enlisted. I can show you a very real one that is your worst enemy if you return. Can you? A real live one? A real live one. Teddy grinned. Now, added Mr. Upton, if you enlist, the first person you will have to hold your banner over is that little girl whom you said you hated. Before you go, I'd like to pray for you. So kneel down with me. The evening sunshine streamed in through the open window, and alighting on the white hair of the minister and the boy's fair curls as they knelt together, bathed them in a golden glory. With closed eyes and folded hands, Teddy listened to Mr. Upton's prayer. Loving Father, Another lamb I bring to thee. Guide him in his decision, and if he enters thy fold, use him and bless him through all eternity. Grant that he may fight a good fight of faith and love. For Jesus Christ's sake, amen. The moment school ended, Teddy slipped away and was soon dodging in and out of the thick, overhanging trees along the edge of his favorite stream, 
His little feet sped swiftly along, and as he ran, he spoke to himself in a whisper. I'll go right to the wood and won't let a squirrel see me, not even a rabbit. I must be quite quiet, and I shan't come away till I've done it. Roaming here and there, peeping around corners and thrusting his curly head in amongst the bushes, it was fully half an hour before he chose his spot. It was a secluded little nook under an old oak tree, where the moss grew thick and green around the gnarled trunk. Teddy straightened his cap and knelt on the ground. Looking up through the green leafy tree above him, he stood with clasped hands and parted lips for a moment, in perfect silence. The soft wind played gently with his curls. In the distance, the birds' sweet voices were the only sounds that met his ears. Placing his clasped hands against the old tree, Teddy prayed aloud. Oh, God, here I am. Have you been waiting for me? I've come to enlist. And please, I forget all Pastor told me, but will you forgive my sins and write my name down in your book in heaven? Edward James Platt is my name. I've come to be your soldier forever. Will you please keep me always? I never want to go back from being your soldier. Make me fight a grand fight and help me to hold your colors up well. And please, God, will you tell Father I've enlisted this afternoon? Pastor said you would take me. I thank you for letting Jesus die for me, and I'm very sorry I haven't belonged to his army before. But I didn't quite understand that he wanted me, and the enemy has outright tricked me and taken me a prisoner. I didn't even know that I was fighting for that enemy. Help me to be a good boy for mother and a grand soldier for Jesus, my King and my Savior. Amen. Teddy prayed with the faith of a child, and as he rose to his feet, he had the assurance that God had accepted and forgiven him. That scene in the wood where he dedicated himself to the service of the King of Kings would be stamped on his memory as long as he lived. And now that the deed was done, a great load seemed to be lifted as he skipped off. Soon Teddy met with the boys playing cricket on the green. He fielded and batted with such vigor that he proved himself the hero of the hour. On his way home, he paid the pastor a visit. Please, sir, I've done it, he explained breathlessly as he met him at the door. What have you done, Teddy? Teddy stood upright, saluted, and exclaimed heartily, Reporting for duty, sir. I've enlisted in the king's army. Ah, new recruit, eh? And so you've done it, have you? Thank God. Teddy beamed. I enlisted this afternoon, sir. I am reporting for duty. Having said this, Teddy saluted once again. For life, did you? No short service with God. Yes, for life, sir. May God keep you true to himself, my boy, all your days. Then Teddy remembered the pastor's promise. Please, sir, you said you would show me one of the enemies I have to fight. Now that I'm a soldier, I mustn't waste time in defeating the enemy. Ah, did I? One of the many, which one? I wonder. A real live one, you said? Yes, I remember. Come this way. Pastor Upton led Teddy into his drawing room and asked him to stand still for a moment. Okay, Mr. Platt. When I count to three, I want you to turn around. And when you do, you will be facing your most frightening enemy. Are you ready? I reckon so, sir. Do you think I'll be able to beat him today? I think you'll have a good turn at beating him. Stand straight. One, two, three. Now turn around. Teddy turned and found himself standing in front of a large mirror that touched the floor. Oh, that's just me. That's right, Teddy. You are your own worst enemy, and you will be fighting you for the rest of your life. Not only that, you will also be fighting others with love. Please, sir, I don't understand. Sit down here beside me, and I'll explain it to you. 
As you try to serve the Lord Jesus, you will find that you have two teddies to deal with, a good one and a bad one. The bad one is your enemy. Now, you told me that you were angry with that little girl. Are you angry still? I've forgotten all about her. I, I don't love her, but I don't hate her neither. The bad teddy in you doesn't really like her, but the good teddy will try to. You must fight against the bad teddy and overcome him. Jesus will help you. You can't fight without him. Jesus is not like other kings. He doesn't command his soldiers from behind. He'll go straight into the battle with you, and he'll never leave you. But even though he's with you, there will be times when your enemy will get the best of you. I know, said Teddy thoughtfully. Last week, some fellow said, come and let's get some apples from the park orchard. I wanted to awful. That was my bad self. But now I know that that would be stealing. That's my good self, isn't it? Quite right. Keep close to your captain. Hold his banner high. And remember, press on, forward. No territory must be given to the enemy. Now I've got to find Nancy, said Teddy as he walked through the woods. I've got to hold up my banner of love over her. I hope she'll like it. She's a horrid... Ah, that's my enemy just about to speak. A horrid girl, you were going to say, weren't you, Teddy Platt? Now you just get out of here. Nancy is a very nice girl. At least she soon will be. I've got to fight you, enemy. If you say such things, why, there she is, climbing that tree. Teddy gave a whistle. Oh, it's a nasty little button boy. You can't catch me, Nancy taunted. Instantly, Teddy darted to the tree. Up they went until they could go no further. Seating herself on a comfortable limb, she grinned at him. You couldn't catch me. You don't know how to climb. My father taught me how to go up the rigging as far as any sailor boy, and this is my ship. But I'll let you sit down by me if you behave yourself. Teddy was silent as he tried to catch his breath and wondered how to make peace. I think we're pretty close to heaven, he remarked, lifting up his soft blue eyes to the clear sky above. Teddy pulled a large white handkerchief out of his pocket. He tied it carefully to a twig and held it up in front of her. I did it myself this morning, he said with pride. I asked Uncle Jake for one of his best handkerchiefs. He gave it to me last night, and I did it with a pen and ink just before breakfast. Can you read it? Nancy looked at the straggling, uneven black letters that occupied the whole width of the white cloth. Love, she said curiously. What's it for? It's my banner of love that I'm going to carry for my captain. It means I've got to love you. I don't want you to love me, she said. I've got to do it. How are you going to do it? I'm I'm not quite sure. I'm never going to fight with you, and it's hard, very hard, but I've got to tell you that I'm sorry I wouldn't let you cross the bridge first, and I'm sorry I said I hated you in church. Are you really sorry? I think I am. At least part of me is. My enemy isn't, but I am. Nancy did not understand. And you'll never get angry or set those horrid boys at me anymore? No, I never will. Teddy pulled a big rosy apple out of his pocket and presented it as a peace offering. Nancy took it, and as her little white teeth bit into it, she said with an impish grin, And have I got to love you? I think you had better, because it will make it much easier. Well, I will then, if you'll do one thing. What is it? Give me that old button of yours. Teddy gasped. Give you father's button? Never, never, never. I'll never give it up. It will stay on my coat till I'm a hundred. Do you know what I would do if I lost my button? No. What? My heart would burst and break, and I would curl up in a corner like a wounded dog. Well, I'll never love you proper till you give it to me, she warned. Will you like me just a little instead? Teddy asked, trying to make a deal. I might do that. And you won't ever say you don't believe Father's story? I won't promise. 
As she took her last bite, she added, I'll hear more of your stories first. Tell me about the great sea serpent. I heard that you know all about it. Teddy said slowly, I make believe I do, but I don't make believe with father's story. Shall I tell you about when I found a little door in the old oak tree leading down some steps that took me to a lost world? It sounded enchanting, and Nancy eagerly waited. Hours passed as Teddy poured out his stories of treasures and dinosaurs, underground glories, thrilling adventures, and narrow escapes. Was it any wonder that with such a gift for storytelling, Teddy was the king of the village? As the story came to an end, Nancy drew a deep breath as she heard the last sentence. And I quickly opened the door, and there I was outside the oak, safe in the wood again. Oh, button boy, I do like you. Will you tell me another story soon? Perhaps I will, said Teddy triumphantly. But I'm going home now. I only came out to have a think and to make friends with you. What made you come and make up? After a scramble down, they stood at the foot of the tree, and Nancy became more serious. You said something about your captain. Who is he? He's Jesus, and his banner is love. So I have to love everybody, whether I like them or not. Why? Because he wants me to, and I'm one of his soldiers now. I must obey his command, for he is my captain. Has, uh, has Jesus any sailors? Teddy had never considered it before. Hmm, I reckon he does. He went fishing often enough. I'll ask Mother, and then I'll tell you. I must go home now. Goodbye. We're going to be friends? Yes, we're going to be friends, she repeated, and then away they scampered in different directions. But I shan't really love you till you give me your button. One bright summer day, Teddy and Nancy were fishing together. As they sat on the low stone bridge, with fishing lines dangling carelessly out of the water and their merry voices ringing out with laughter, one would not be surprised if they had never caught a single fish. Suddenly, Nancy drew Teddy's attention to his button. Why, it's nearly coming off, she cried. I told Mother it was getting loose yesterday. I think I'll pull it right off and put it in my pocket. What would happen if I lost it, he cried. He jerked at the button as he spoke, and it slipped from his grasp and rolled away on the path. The temptation was too great for Nancy. Like lightning, she was after it, and in a flash she stood beaming with the button clenched tightly in her hand. Give it to me at once, demanded Teddy, quivering with agitation. Nancy's brown eyes sparkled with mischief. Aha! Little button boy, I've got it at last, and I shall take it home and have it sewed on my jacket. I shall fight you, cried Teddy. If you don't give it to me at once, it isn't yours. You would be a thief if you kept it. Give it to me this minute. Shall I throw it into the river? teased the saucy little girl. Teddy darted forward and then began a tussle. He tried to wrench her hands apart while she exerted all her strength to keep them closed. Teddy let out a triumphant cry as Nancy's fingers peeled open, but the button slipped away with such force that it flew violently out. Splash! Into the river it went. Nancy gave a cry, and without a word, Teddy plunged in after it head first. Nancy watched in breathless silence. As the boy slipped beneath the water, she waited and noticed that he did not come back up. Story Jumpers, what an incredible tale about Teddy and the button from his father's jacket. Did you see any of that coming? I was pretty surprised at several of the turns the story took. Well, guess what? We're going to meet with Dr. Mark Hamby now, and he's going to tell us so much more about Teddy's world and what we discovered in this story. Dr. Mark, it's good to see you again. It's great to be here again. Thanks for having me, Andrew. Well, we really enjoyed your visit last time. We enjoyed learning about Lamplighter. And so when you told us that 
Teddy's button was available to read to the story jumpers, I had to jump all over it. Well, Teddy's button, it was a rare find. In fact, to this day, now I, I love stories. I've been searching for the best stories for the last 40 years. And Teddy, I would say, has been the best children's story I've ever come across. It's just got everything there. It's 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 real life. It uh, it's about a little boy and girl that, as you as you have read, you know, or you've heard, the little boy and girl that have this test between each other. They hate each other, and they learn that you don't win the battle with hate. You win the battle with love, and your greatest enemy is yourself. And what I love about Teddy and Nancy is that. They're just real characters. You know, you you could just picture them in real life. You know, I think my favorite, one of my favorite scenes is them in church where, you know, Teddy is, you know, already been scolded by his mom. And like, you don't, you sit up, you sit up in church and you don't you, don't you do anything, you know, to, to cause a problem. You know, Nancy's sitting behind him and, and he turns around and she sticks her tongue out at him and he just can't handle it. And I'll never forget, he was like saying like, he felt like it was a bullet coming from the firing squad, you know, and he just couldn't hold it in any longer. And he yells out, I hate you, you know. And, and then I think that was the turning point, though, where he finally meets the pastor and the pastor talks to him about, you know, that you're you're fighting a battle, Teddy, but you're fighting you're fighting on the wrong side. You know, yeah. and I thought that was the imagery of that has led so many children to the Lord. You would Andrew, you would not believe how many letters we get from parents around the world that state that it's the same statement my son or my daughter they have they have entered into the army of the lord or they have they oh. have or, or they the wording is um um they, they've become new recruits in the lord jesus's army or they have enlisted and we get letters from that from like that all the time and it's such a beautiful image of recognizing, wow, I have been under the influence of the enemy, Satan, all this time. And it shows in my relationship with my brothers and sisters. It shows my relationship with my friends that I have this strife, this envy and strife and um, prideful antagonism between me and my friends. And and it's not until it's replaced with love that uh, Teddy really enlists in the true army of God where he changes his sword, his sharp sword of his tongue, you know, putting people down to now lifting people up in love. It's just an incredible story. Yeah, well, you mentioned that scene when Teddy is running from school. He's so excited about the conversation that he's had with the pastor and his mother. And he runs from school out to the woods to pray to God, to talk yeah. with God. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and, and I wanted to ask, you know, more, in a little more detail. What did he mean by asking to become one of God's soldiers. That was the phrase that he used. Yep. And it, it, you mentioned it. That's what some boys and girls are still doing today. So what does that becoming God's soldier really mean? So that's not in the original book. So one of the things I want parents to realize is that the books that Lamplighter publishes, when we find these rare stories that are really good, we know that they can be made better. So we make sure the scripture is is put in there that's accurate it doesn't have a good work salvation. It's uh, we take out all of the unnecessary. Back then, they there was a lot of smoking. Sm they smoked cigars and pipes. There was a lot of drinking of alcohol. <clears throat> so we take all that out unless it's necessary for the building the climax of the story to show good and evil. So um, we want to make sure when children read these books that they are safe, they can be trustworthy. So we take that stuff out, 
and this is not in the original story, what we did is we wanted to make sure that salvation, salvation isn't the same for everybody. Now, it's believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. You know, it's, it's through the shed blood of Christ, a person can be saved. We understand that. But the way a person approaches their understanding as a child is somewhat a little bit different sometimes. We don't want to make it difficult. We want to make it innocently simple. You know, so this understanding of I've been fighting for the enemy all this time, and I need to now give my life over to the captain of my soul, Jesus himself, you know, that I want to now ask him to forgive me for fighting with the enemy. I want him to forgive me for, you know, for my sins, my offenses, you know, so that I can uh, become his soldier, you know, and, and, um, and, and a soldier in the sense of I'm enlisting, you know, in the book of Timothy chapter two, it talks about there are three types of people in the Lord's work. They are the athlete, the soldier, and the farmer. You know, and uh, Paul uses those three illustrations. And so how we come to Christ, you know, can be Jesus uses a lot of farming illustrations. You know, mm-hmm. so we're in the seed. He, he, so the wheat and the chaff, the goats and the sheep, he uses a lot of farming illustrations. And then there's, there's athletic, you know, illustrations, you know, that um, he that runs away, he that runs the race, you know, um, in, in Hebrews chapter 12, you know, um, the sins that so easily beset us, you know, so, so. Throughout the Bible, there's those three types of illustrations. And what we've done in this particular book is we have used the soldier illustration for children to understand, you know, who, who, what, what battle are they fighting and whose side are they on? Mm-hmm. You know, are they on King Jesus's side? And if they are, then he doesn't, he has a flag that he carries. He doesn't carry weapons. And so that was one of the things in the book is that, you know, the banner, the flag, over me is love, you know, so Jesus fights with love. And the reason Jesus fights with love, you know, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son. The reason God fights with love is that love never fails, you know. You know, on the other side, they fight with hate and bitterness and pride and strife, and they put people down. There's lying. And and so on the other side, a child now, now needs to look at, you know, what am I really like? Whose side am I really on? Is Is love coming out of me or is this jealousy and envy and strife coming out of me and so a child needs to look at okay maybe i am on the wrong side you know maybe i am fighting for the enemy and maybe mm-hmm. i now need to come over and list and ask the captain the king of kings if i can be one of his soldiers so i can fight with love uh, it's, it's a beautiful illustration and it's certainly a question we all have to ask ourselves at one point or another you know um, I, I thought it was pretty interesting. The boys and Teddy, they were there hearing the war story about Teddy's father, which, you know, was engrossing enough, you know, for a boy to hear soldier tales. Yeah, yeah. I'm right there. But then a girl walked into their camp and they were all shocked. Yeah. What is a girl doing here? <laughs> yeah. She really, Nancy, seems like the total opposite of Teddy there in the beginning of the story. You know, he's the son of a soldier. She's the daughter of a sailor. They yeah. couldn't be more at odds, probably. Yeah. Yeah. How about how about the scene where they um, they're crossing the bridge? The bridge. <laughs> uh, that's that's got to be one of the favorite scenes ever. You know where Teddy yeah. says, "I was here first. I'm crossing over." You know, and, but I'm a lady, and you should let me go first, right? Yeah, but my father was in, my father was a war hero and, and fought for the queen. And yeah, that, but I but I'm a I'm a daughter of a of an admiral in the Queen's Navy. Let me through, right? It's so. 
and then and then and then and then Nancy goes, and girls are first, and then the two of them yell out, charge! <laughs> you know, and they meet each other in the middle, both fall in the water, and oh, what a scene, huh? Yeah, it was it was great. It was great. You so know, I was wondering what what war would their parents have been fighting in, um, either when this was originally written or, or in the context of the story as it is now. Yeah, I don't know. Amy Lefevre, um, probably eighteen eighties. So I don't, I don't know what um, war would have been. That probably, I think, would they have been in India during that time? I don't. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Afghanistan. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But what, what's beautiful about this story? And again, um, Mrs. Lefevre, she, she's an outstanding writer. She knew how to capture a child's heart and mind. Um, just recently, we found another story written by the same author called "The Runaway Darling." And hmm. it's as good as Teddy's button, only it's, it's the reverse. It's about a little girl who's like Teddy. Wow. And uh, she's incorrigible. And uh, wow, what a, well, we'll talk about that another time. So back to Teddy. <laughs> so when this scene happens with them in the, uh, you know, falling into the water and both of them, you know, not getting across the bridge like they wanted to, you know, from there, you know, after Teddy has that, ex- that moment in the church where he yells out, I hate you to Nancy, the pastor invites him for tea. I'll never forget Teddy going, yes. oh, sorry, I don't drink tea, sir, but you, you come over to my house at 4 o'clock today. So Teddy comes over there. That illustration in front of the the mirror, I think, is one of the best illustrations for children to see that. And we, Andrew, we do that here all the time. So when we, mm-hmm. we have tours here at Lamplighter all the time, so a couple times a week, and uh, we'll bring some of the younger children in front of our recording studio, which is a huge organ. Our recording studio is actually inside the organ. Wow. And there are these these two ancient doors, 1853, these two doors. And inside one of the doors, we have placed a full-size mirror. So, wow. so when the children are there, I'll ask them, um, would you like to meet your greatest foe, your greatest enemy? You know, and the kids, some of the kids will go, like, yeah, 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 I want to, I want to. And then we'll bring them up in front of the door. They'll be about three feet away. And, and then, you know, me and, and Molly or, or someone else that's helping me will then open the door slightly and then slam the door real quick and then shake the door like something's in it, you know. And, and we're going like, oh, he's there. He's, he's there. Are you sure you want to face him today? And uh, not, not, not realizing that there's actually a mirror behind it. But we're real, we'll really ham it up really big time. <laughs> we're really shaking really loudly. And, and uh, there'll be some noises. And, and uh, the kids, some of the kids get really, really scared. And I'll so bet. some of the kids that were really like, I want I to face my enemy, they start going to the back of the line, you know. And it's interesting. <laughs> the, the kids that were least likely are the ones in front now. And I'll, and I'll say, okay, everybody, get down on your knees. You're going to face your most frightening enemy. And, uh, and all of a sudden, I say, you guys sure? And we'll open up the doors. And then they're all looking in front of a mirror and they're looking at themselves. And they, it takes them a while to realize that they're looking at themselves because they've been this, I've been building the thing up so much. Yes. And, right. and I'll look at them and I'll say, you are your greatest enemy. Mm. You will be fighting yourself for the rest of your life. You need to get your eyes off of other people and recognize that when you have conflict, it's only because of pride. Now you need to fo- devote all of your energies and focus on who you are and what you God wants you to do in your life so that you can confess your faults and your sin and so that you can have a pure heart so that you can see others through God's eyes the way he sees them. And then you can fight the real battle with love 
I'm telling you, it is a moment for these kids. I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure it is. Yeah. Well, it's a moment like Teddy had with Mr. Upton there. Yeah. You know, getting some real solid biblical truth yep. layered with real life. Um, you, you know, when, Mr. Upton, when Pastor Upton does that, that is so, yeah. so incredibly ingenious because there Teddy is, he's building this up, one, two, three, now Turn around, Teddy, and he stands in front of a full-length mirror, and Teddy goes, "Oh, that's just me." And then Mr. Upton, like, "Yes, Teddy, you'll be fighting believe it for the rest of your life." Yeah, it's, yeah. So often we get stuck with thinking the Bible is just contained between two, you know, between the pages, between yeah. two covers of a book. Yeah. But when it jumps out at you in real life like that, yeah, it's, oh, it's a powerful illustration. Yeah. So Teddy and Nancy, they have several small adventures in the course of this book, which I think are all fun. They're all interesting. Um, you know, we don't have time to get into every single one of them. But I was really upset at one point when Nancy actually starts to, to wrestle with Teddy and loses his button in the river. I, I, I mean, what's going to happen next with this button now that it's lost in the river? Okay, so <clears throat> let's back up a little bit. So sequentially, let's just go back one step before that, because I think this is important. So from there, Teddy and Nancy, you know, Teddy Teddy comes to know Jesus as a savior. He's now enlisted. He's now part of the king's army. And now Teddy's got to fight others with love. So that's his new assignment. And his very first thing he does, he's got this apple, and he's going to try to give it to Nancy. <laughs> yes, and, uh, right. <laughs> and Nancy thinks that he's going to be mean to her. So they she starts climbing a tree. The two of them end up at the top of the tree together. And, uh, and Teddy tells her that he loves her. Um, and here's his apple. And, uh, that, and he loves her because God loves her. And then Nancy comes to know the Lord as her Savior. But what's beautiful about the story is that the two of them don't change immediately. They still are stinkers, right? Yes. You know, so Teddy has all of these escapades. And, I, and my all-time favorite part of the book is when they tie Mr. Green up to the tree when he's yes. sleeping. <laughs> so. So there is there is Teddy and Nancy and Teddy's going like, oh, I think bully. It's a bully is his the imaginary temptation that's inside his life. When he's fighting bully, he's like, oh, Bill, bully won again today, you know, which is sin. And uh, so Teddy is always fighting this bully, and Nancy's going like, oh, is bully trying to get the best of you? And Teddy goes, he sure is. What's what's he telling you? He's telling me to tie up Mr. Green, you know, and Mr. Green sleeping by the tree when he was fishing. And they tie Mr. Green up with all their fishing string and tie him up to the tree. And boy, is he mad, you know? Oh, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we don't have time to get into the uh, the time when Teddy goes to apologize, you know, at his house when Mr. Green accuses him of breaking the wall for his sheep and yeah. all of that. But but it's a mess. The boy gets into more trouble. <laughs> he does. I love it. I think I love it because it reminded me of my own childhood. So, <laughs> so here, here, Teddy and Nancy are tying this man to the tree while he's sleeping. And when he gets up, boy, is he mad? And and both Teddy and Nancy, you know, they get scolded, and Teddy realizes that bully got the best of him. So when when you reach the scene that you were talking about on the bridge, you know, Teddy and Nancy, even though they know the Lord is their savior they still are fighting the bully within. You know, they still give in to temptations. They still deal, deal with anger and jealousy and, and, uh, and pride. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, you know, Nancy wants the button from Teddy sh Teddy's shirt, which is just barely on. It's been falling off. 
But that button means everything to Teddy. You know, in the, at the very beginning of the story, Teddy's telling the kids the story of his brave father, who was a war hero that went through the, and Teddy likes to ham up the story. My father was a brave hero. He went through the enemy lines to bring the flag back to England. He was pierced through the sword twice, and then he was shot with the ball seven times. And then one of the kids said, I thought it was three times last time, Teddy. He goes, three, seven, 20, it doesn't matter. My father brought the flag back to England. And when father <laughs> brought the flag back to England, he was pierced through with 17 sword blades and shot 99 times with a gun. And then he laid down the flag at the, at the general's feet and said, here is the, here's the flag for, for England, sir. And then my father died. You know, and, and all the kids are going, bravo, yay for Teddy, right? And then Nancy, in the very beginning of the story, this is how it all starts. Nancy's in the background, and she's got her arms folded like this. And, and she goes, I don't believe a word of that story, and you're a big, fat liar. And all the kids in the beginning were like, Teddy, Teddy, you should punch her in the nose, Teddy. Don't let her call you a liar. You know, and Teddy goes, well, I don't punch girls, but she'll be my enemy for sure. So that's how the story starts. Yeah, yeah. And now when you get toward the end, when Nancy, she's jealous of the button that Teddy has from his dad, she wants that button. She just wants to pull it off because it's barely hanging on. And she pulls it off, and then they have this fight between them. Give me my button back. No. And the two of them are fighting back and forth, and the button pops out and goes in the water. And, of course, Teddy dives in after it, but doesn't realize that there's a rock under there, and Teddy hits his head. And Teddy is drowning. And who comes to the rescue? Do you want to tell who comes to the rescue? You go. You go. Mr. Green. Mr. Yeah. Green, who he tied up to the tree, jumps into the water, but Teddy is just barely alive, and he brings him home, mm. and no one knows whether or not Teddy's going to live again. And Nancy now is just beside herself because she realizes she may have caused her best friend to die. Um, mm. But you it's know, a, it's, it's gut wrenching, really, because it, it really is. You know, you think you you've made progress with this friend, and then all of a sudden you realize. No, all those enmities are still there. All those things that stir us up and make us angry and the greed for the button. She had her eye on that button for a long time. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so, um, well, I, what, I, I, I just hope that it turns out. What, what, well. did you, what did you think of the ending with the fish? Did you, did you I read loved that? it. Was that yeah. amazing? Yes, yeah. it was. That was incredible. And, and I liked how it was, it was lifted or retelling of a story that Jesus told. So yeah, exactly. It's just wonderful. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of kids are going to enjoy that. And I think that, you know, the ones that are familiar with their Bible stories are really going to enjoy that. It's going to pop out at them. So Andrew, yeah. for 40 years, 40 years, I've been collecting stories and I found Teddy about 20 years ago. And to this day, I still have not found a better children's story than Teddy's button. It's by far my all time favorite. Um, like I said, I just found one about a girl. It comes; it's a close second, um, but it's Teddy is Teddy's amazing. I tell the story all the time. Yeah. You know, you know, you you win the battle with love. In fact, it's really amazing. You think about it in marriage, in parenting, in friendship, in church, in business, wherever. When all else fails, try love because love never fails. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Teddy's butt. Well, so for 40 years, you have been collecting stories, and now they're put together in what's known as the Lamplighter Collection. There are books, 
There are audio dramas. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a thing called Lamplighter Theater that families can enjoy. Um, in a nutshell, what would you tell us about this? The The whole umbrella is under Lamplighter Ministries. Yeah. But yeah. in a nutshell, what would you say, you know, can families look forward to when they interact or, or uh, receive entertainment from Lamplighter Ministries? Yeah. So the only thing that changes people's lives is the Word of God and the God of the Word. So I want people to be passionately in love with Jesus. So we, we want to create a renaissance of creative excellence that inspires one to know God intimately. That's the key. Proclaim him passionately and enjoy him infinitely. You know, you use the word entertainment, but, you know, the word entertainment and the word amusement means not to think. And so when we take, when we take you know, videos and films and video games, we're literally being entertained or we're not thinking. We're letting them thinking think for us. What books do, um, books allow children, books and audios, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Books and audios allow people to start thinking again. They now begin to imagine. They start creating the scenes in their own mind. And so as they're thinking these things through, they're actually doing the thinking, which is yes, yes. opposite of what videos do for us. And so when a person starts to think again, um, Jesus, or in the, in, the, in, in the epistle of Ephesians, chapter 3, verse 20, it says, um, he'll do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or imagine or think. Yes. And so when, when children are reading these stories, what we've done is we have inserted the word of God. Um, the main themes are Romans chapter 4 and 5. Romans 4 is that um, Abraham was fully convinced that nothing was impossible with God. So we want to con- fully convince children through these stories, stories that hold you on the edge of your seat where you think there's no tomorrow, where there's no way this is going to be resolved. There's no way Teddy's going to live through this. There's no way that Teddy's button is going to be found. There's no way that Nancy's not going to live with this, you know, this terrible guilt the rest of her life. So we want to put children in situations vicariously as they read these mm-hmm. stories to live out themselves through the stories, what life could be like if this happened to them. Yes. So that yep. when it does, and it's going to, they now have the experience, the vicarious experience, that now they can exercise their faith muscles along with the word of God that has entered into their mind and into their heart. Now they can exercise the faith that's necessary so that when, this is cool, Romans chapter 5, so that when suffering comes into their life, and it's going to, suffering produces endurance. So we're teaching them in the stories to endure. Don't give up. Hang in there. Don't give up. And if you are willing to endure, your character is going to change. Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. As their character starts to change, they move from hopelessness to hope. They move from characterlessness to a little bit of character. They they move from from weakness to confidence. Um, They move from, from dullness to inspiration. And all of a sudden, there's an awakening inside their lives, inside their mind, that there's really a God that's with them, you know? And when they yes, start to recognize absolutely. that they're not them, by themselves, that this God truly is real, he's with them, now suffering produces endurance, produces character, character produces hope. That's the key right now. When children start to develop hope, where they were like, okay, I believe God is going to get me through this. I believe that uh, God has allowed this to happen for a reason. So I'm going to hold on. Uh, let's say a parent dies. Mm. You know, I want my children to be ready for anything. So if the worst thing could happen, I want my children to understand that 
this suffering is going to produce some endurance in me that's going to change my character, that's going to give me some hope that God is faithful, and that hope, the best part is next, and hope never disappoints us and never makes us ashamed because, here's the, the fifth element, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit given to us. And that word shed abroad is the word for gushed out. When mm. people experience God's gushed out love, they're never the same, and they never approach difficulties the same because they know that this God loves, this God's crazy in love with me. And when someone's crazy in love with you, he'll do anything to rescue you. And so yes. that's what yeah. Tony's Button does. And, and that's what Lamplighter does with the 272 books that we have. Every single book has those themes in it so they can experience God on a level that is gushed out love. And then, then we adapt the stories, put them in audio dramas, use the best actors in the world, um, outstanding you know, sound design, music, John Campbell with the music. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, bring actors from around the world here to our studio. They act them out. And then uh, and then from there, you know, they're heard in 32 countries, a million mm-hmm. listeners every week. And then the next step is we started a college. And so the students that come to the college here, they get to experience all this stuff. Uh, they experience, you know, um, leadership, art, and, uh, and Bible all in one in a real working working environment at, at Lamplighter Ministries. That's really wonderful. And I I really want to thank you again. This has been your second uh, visit to being a guest of Story Jumpers. I really hope that you'll continue to share stories with us as you discover them. And as you, you know, maybe you dust them off and say, you know, we haven't visited this story in a long time. I think the Story Jumpers would like to hear it. Cool. So, So bring them forward. We hope to have you back again soon, Dr. Hamby. Thanks, Andrew. Appreciated it. Parents. Teddy's Button is a story that will open a child's understanding of the spiritual battle within as Teddy learns that he is his own worst enemy. As the stubborn boy and girl refuse to back down from their selfish pride, one of the many lessons they learn is that they cannot win battles by force and hate, but by carrying the banner of love. Through this charming story, Amy Lefevre helps children to understand the spiritual battle that rages in their souls and that parents and children are on the same side. Dr. Mark Hamby has done a fantastic job with this retelling, and the illustrations by his wife Jennifer Hamby are beautiful. Mark is the founder and president of Lamplighter Ministries, whose mission is to make ready a people prepared for the Lord by building Christ-like character one story at a time. Learn more about Lamplighter Ministries and their entire library of dramatized audiobooks when you visit their website, lamplighter.net.